Good morning, boomerangians. How y'all doing? I'm dandy. Coffee's kicking in. Starting to. I'll be drinking more right after this class. Alrighty. Well, let's jump into it. Um, Brian finished up Jeff's Fruit of Salvation Part 1A through D or E or something. Um, so we're going to go to Fruit of Salvation Part 2 by Don Crow. It'll be Part 5 in the archives. So live stream when you want to watch it again. Fruit of Salvation Part 5. Ready, go. Okay. It's a, what? Question 1. Now let's jump into, <laughs> let's jump into the, there's not a whole lot, there are two questions. Y'all brace yourselves. We may be here for a while. They are big ones, but it's not too bad. Look, the teaching is only like a page and not even an eighth. We might actually get out of here early and able to drink two cups of coffee before service. I will not start making those promises. I am 95% of my husband as we are one. All right. <laughs> Don Crow, let's jump in. He says, notice this scripture. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. 1 John 3.10 in the NIV. It did not say this is how we save ourselves. It says this is how we know who the children of God are. Jesus said it like this, By their fruits ye shall know them. And that was in Matthew 7.20. In the scripture, God speaks of salvation in two ways. One, that salvation is by grace through faith. This is, you can find this in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. And two, in terms of the good works that every saved person will perform. And you can find that one in Ephesians 2.10. Why are we afraid to speak of the fruit of the believer? The Bible does not shy away from a subject and I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to intervene Nicole's little part. You look at any, any major ruler, any person that's kind of had a lot of followers, they did because they didn't shy away from their beliefs. They were grounded in what they believed, so much so that other people started believing it. It's when we get so grounded in our beliefs and know that we know that there's no reason to shy away because it is the truth, that's when we will start having people want to know who we are following. All right, it says the Bible does not shy away from such a, such a subject. Here is how we can know we are in God's kingdom and under God's rule. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 5 says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. You can find that reference in 1 John 2.29. Doesn't this make sense? The nature of God and Christ is righteousness, and everyone who practices righteousness is given evidence of sharing his nature, 
or as John says, has been born of him. And in 1 John 3, 5 through 10, says, But you know that he has appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. It doesn't say they won't mess up. It doesn't say they won't stumble and fall. It doesn't say they won't sin, you know, today. It just says they don't keep on sinning. In the Greek, this is in the present tense. This conveys continuous or habitual action. The Bible reader can signify or can signify the Bible reader can significantly enhance their understanding of the passage by supplying the words continuously, repeatedly, over and over again, uninterruptedly, constantly, keep on, customarily, habitually, as a lifestyle. No one who continues to sin, that's in the present tense, has either seen him or know him, known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. It wouldn't say that if we couldn't be led astray. We have to guard our hearts. We have to be grounded in our beliefs. We have to be living in the word so that it is who we are. And what keeps coming to mind is, um, this analogy comes to mind all the time, but bankers. You know, there are so many people who try to copy and have counterfeit bills Jade couldn't study every possible counterfeit bill. It'd be impossible because they're constantly, somebody's trying to constantly improve it and make it believable. What do you study? You study the one truth. When you know the truth inside and out, if I were to go up to Jade and hand her a, a counterfeit bill, she'd know it. Not because she knows that bill, but because she knows the true bill. Same way with us. When we know the truth, when we know God so intimately that if something false comes to us, it screams like neon lights flashing. I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. This is how we not let ourselves be led astray. It says, he who does, present tense, repeatedly over and over again, does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful, present tense, Habitual as a lifestyle because it's their nature is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And it rhymes, so it must be true. <laughs> the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who was born of God will continue to sin. Again, present tense, that is, as their lifestyle. You're not going to say, I'm a child of God, believe you're a child of God, and go out here daily looking to live a life of sin. You're going to want to live that godly life. You're going to want to look like Diddy in every way possible. We may stumble, we may fall, but it's getting up and chasing after him. That's what we need to be doing. Because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, present tense, uninterruptedly, because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does, present tense, not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. John says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Those who do not practice righteousness and love show that they do not have the nature of the father. Is evidence of the new birth not important? 
then he gives several scriptures here. Um, 1 John three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. 1 John 4, 6. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. He's gotten um, brackets, the apostles. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us, the apostles. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Love is the mark of a believer, for the nature of God is love. 1 John 5, 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God, present tense and continually loving him and carrying out his commands. 1 John 5, 18 through 19. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin, present tense, as a lifestyle showing an unrepentant heart. The one who has been born of God keeps him safe. The King James Version says, keepeth himself and continues to keep himself. And the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God and that the, wor the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Why did the Apostle John share all these things with us? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Conclusion, righteousness, holiness, love, the fruit of God's Spirit are evidences of the new birth. You yourself have no confidence that you belong to him while practicing an ungodly lifestyle. The conscience condemns and there is no confidence towards God. The Apostle Peter admonishes you to make your calling and election sure. And it references 2 Peter uh, 1.10 says, assure your heart that you really do belong to him by a lifestyle that corresponds to the glorious gospel. I did not say this is how we are saved. I said this is how we know we belong to him. And as I was reading this, you know, Brian was talking last week just about the consciousness. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, that sentence right there just really sums it up great as to what Brian was saying last week. The conscience condemns and there is no confidence towards God. And in here it talks about practicing righteousness. We are going to do stuff, and we are going to mess up, but we have got to keep getting up and trying again after God, trying more and more each day to look like him, to walk in his ways. And it's when we mess up that the conscience will say, oh, you're not a child of God. If you were, you wouldn't have done that. Oh, you're not a child of God. It took you two days to get back up. A real child of God would have gotten right back up. And that's where the conscience will try to condemn. You stay in that word of God. You know that you are a child of God when you have fruit. So you just keep getting up. You just keep making more fruit. You just keep... It's, I gave this at the women's thing one time. Um, or maybe it was here. I gave it somewhere. This analogy where, you know, when, when baby Oliver is born and he starts to learn how to try to walk. What is he going to do? A lot in the beginning. He is going to fall down. How many times will Jade post, baby Oliver took one step today, but he fell down 28 times. She's not. She's going to say, he took a step. There'll be nothing about the falls. It's the steps. 
That's what the parents rejoice in. This is what Diddy rejoices in, is in your fruit. He knows we're, we're, he knows we're learning. He knows we're trying to start learning to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, to walk in his ways. He knows we're going to mess up. But what he gets so excited about is when we get up and try again, when we take those two steps. Because tomorrow it may be three or four, and the next day we may be you know, waddling you know, faster. And the next day we may be running. Doesn't mean we won't trip over something again as we're running, but it's getting back up. It's baby Oliver was running today and he tripped and fell and skinned his knee, but he got back up and he kept on running. That's what every good parent rejoices in. This is what Diddy rejoices in, is the fruit of the Spirit that we show, not the mess-ups. We're going to have mess-ups. Don't let that hold you back from being a fruit producer. You just get up again, and you say, all right, Diddy, what do I do now? Show me how to walk. Show me how to produce the fruit that you want in me. And our questions. Read Acts. 8.13 and 18 through 22. Let's do that. All right, Acts 8.13 says, Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. And then if you'll skip down to verse 18 through 22, it says, Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, to the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. And the question is, first, John is speaking about the fruits or evidence of a true believer. These are all issues that spring from the heart. When a believer's heart is found not to be right, what are they to do? Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Did you say get it right? Get it right. Snap into shape. And then read 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. It says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. And the question is, what is the proof or evidence that a person is really among those God has called and chosen? 
And if you'll switch back to verses 5 and 6, 7 and 8, those. Here's our proof. Faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. And that last one just sums it all up. God is love. You know, the more and more we have grown in God, the more and more we have found ways to love. And it's you know opening a door and you know, bringing lovely cinnamon rolls. These are evidences of love. But what about when someone sends you a message and just slams you? And calls you everything that you're not. How do you love on them? How do you show that fruit of the Spirit? And it's not to punch them, Jeff. It's not laying on of hands like this. <laughs> you know, love is forgiveness. Love is realizing that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Love is realizing that while people may be physically lashing out at you, there's probably a spiritual root going on and they need your prayer. So how many of us, when someone lashes out at us, calls us every name under the sun, maybe even tries to ruin our reputation? How many of us get on our knees and pray for that person and not for God to strike them down? But how many of us ask God, Lord, how can I love on them? Show me their pain. Show me what they need and help me have a role to play in their healing. That's love. That's helping them to persevere. Because anybody can knock someone down when they're down. Love helps them get up. Love believes in them when they don't believe in themselves. That's the fruit that we need. Because if we're walking in love, everything else is going to fall in place. Because when you're walking in love, you're walking in godliness. You're walking in the essence of the very essence of who he is. That's what we need to strive for. Each day, ask God, Lord, show me how to love the way you love. Show me how to see the way you see. Because we mess up, so will they. But don't at times you wish that somebody would give them a hand, give you a hand to help you up? That's our job to play in this world. You know, I look and. You know, Starbucks put out a cup with no Christmas tree on it, and the world went haywire. Target lets whoever in whatever bathroom, and the world's going haywire. How many of us have stopped to pray for the CEOs of those companies? I don't agree with the actions of Target. But, I mean, they've, they've made no miscommunicated messages. We know right where they stand spiritually. These are very liberal, godless organizations. You can't expect love to come from the devil. And I'm not calling them the devil, but I'm saying right now, God is not their source. So instead of us beating them down, you rotten, godless people, how dare you let people in that bathroom? How dare you put out a red cup? How many of us have stopped to pray for their CEOs? How many of us have stopped to pray for the transgenders? Or the sexual molesters that may see this as open ground. 
How many of us have stopped to pray for ourselves for wisdom on how to show them the love and the brotherly kindness that they need? The word says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. There's enough judgmentalism and condemnation and criticism within their own heads, much less within the world. We're to be the salt and the light. We're to preserve the goodness. And whether they are acting it or not, they're made in the image of God. That means there is goodness in them. So how do we shine the light on that goodness? How do we preserve the good that is in them? How do we show the fruit of who we are instead of showing who they are? Because the truth is they don't know who they are. That's their confusion. No one stopped long enough to say, you know what? You were a child of God. I believe, I believe in you. Let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who your daddy is. Let me tell you how much he loves you. And because my daddy loves you, let me tell you how much I love you. This is the fruit that we're supposed to be having. And this is the fruit that we're not having. This is why the world looks the way it looks. Because Christians have forgotten that we're the ones that are supposed to have the fruit. Not the tree that is withering up. It's going to wither but we can speak to that tree. We can call life where there is none instead of continuing to call death. We are to change this world and to show the God of salvation by our actions. This is who we are. And it's time that we stand up and be who we're called to be. It's time to start walking in this fruit of salvation. It's time to let the world stop leading us astray and us leading them to their life to their hope, to their love. It's time we put on this fruit and start walking in it day after day and be the difference that we want to see. So, Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for these lessons. I thank you for reminding us the fruit that is ours. And I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you give us that we will produce this fruit that we will be your light, your love, your hands, and your feet in this world. I thank you, Father, that we grow in our knowledge of you. And the more we grow, the more you water us with your wisdom, Lord, the more we produce this fruit for you and for your children. And, Father, we praise you for it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these lessons. Father, we pray blessings on Andrew Womack and Don Crow. We thank you for the time that they have put into these lessons. Thank you for anointing them with your wisdom. And thank you, Lord, for loving us enough that you will stop at nothing to get your wisdom to us, to get your knowledge to us, to get your love to us. And thank you, Lord, that we will take that love and pour it out on everyone around us. I thank you that we walk in the fullness of our salvation in every way. Bountifully producing your fruit in our lives in every way. A sweet smelling, tasty fruit that when others partake of it, they long to get to the source. I thank you, Lord, that our lives cause others to hunger for you. 
And I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.